Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Jumpcast, the podcast brought to you by the award-winning team here at JumpCut Online. My name is Nick, and I'm here to review Ron Howard's Hillbilly Elegy. And joining me to do so today, firstly, is Jacob Barnes. Jacob, how are you? Hello, very good, thank you. Happy it's the weekend. Can't wait to discuss uh, this film. Should be interesting. It was going to be interesting. <laughs> I think it's going to be interesting. Uh, and joining me and Jake, it's it's podcast regular. It's Reese. How are you, Reese? Hello, both of you. I'm very well, thanks. How are you? Yeah, yeah, good. Like Jake said, happy it's the weekend. It's been a long week this week. It's been the first week here in the UK that's felt very, very wintry, very mm. cold. So, <clears throat> and then everything else that's going on in the world just compounding that. It's been a been a long week, but it's the weekend, and we're here to talk about films. Which is what we love to do. Our safe space. <laughs> Most of this time. This, <laughs> this film didn't offer much of a space, safe space, I don't think. For um, so, uh, yes, before we start, as always, this show is brought to you by our Patreons. And for those of you who don't know, we have a Patreon link for an uh, account set up with jumpcutonline.co.uk, which you can find a link to on our website and via our Twitter. There's a link to it on, in the description on our Twitter. And uh, there's three tiers you can just subscribe to at Patreon. Um, and then the uh, highest subscription tier gets you a shout out on every single episode of Jumpcast. So Chris Wilson, Let There Be Light Productions, Zoe Baines, Daryl Griffiths, Sam Luck, Orla Smith, Peter Hodgkins, Andy Meakin, Fabiana Rosas, Hamish Calver and Martin Richmond. Thank you very much for your continued support and thank you to everybody else who supports us in any way whatsoever, whether that is just on Patreon or on Twitter or just by visiting jumpcutonline.co.uk. However you interact with Jumpcut, thank you very much for doing so. Um... So yes, we are here to talk about Ron Howard's Hillbilly Elegy, and uh, courtesy of IMDb, I will read you both a very brief synopsis, it's literally one sentence. Uh, A Yale law student, drawn back to his hometown, grapples with family history, Appalachian values, and the American dream. As I said, this is directed by Ron Howard, it was written by J.D. Vance, the book based on the book by, and the screenplay was written by Vanessa Taylor, and it starts... It stars Amy Adams, Glenn Close, Gabriel Basso, Haley Bennett, Frida Pinto, Bo Hopkins, Owen Astalos, and others. Lots of <laughs> others. <laughs> uh, if it get well, when it gets down to about sixth or seventh billing, I, I give up. <laughs> so sorry to everybody else in that list who is also in Hillbilly Elegy. Um, I think we should probably do a sort of statement at the beginning. Um. Uh, in terms of our sort of knowledge of um, J.D. Vance and sort of the context of Hillbilly Elegy. Uh, Reese, I know you went into watching this completely blind without knowing anything about J.D. Vance and sort of the book that this was adapted from. Yeah, Jake, completely. I, yeah, Jake, I don't know. Were, were you the same? Did you watch it completely blind? Hey, exactly the same. I didn't watch the trailer. I, did, I, don't, I didn't know anything at all. Yeah. Um, for th- for three guys living in the UK, JD Vance was a name that had absolutely no meaning to any of us whatsoever. Um, I did do some research before, and I've done some research afterwards. Um, and um, Hillbilly Elegy is a film adaptation of JD Vance's book, um, uh, which is a collection of memoirs about him growing up in um, Appalachian states in the U in the US, particularly Kentucky and Ohio. Um, and his memoir, his book of memoirs, became really su- successful in 2016. Um either immediately before or just after Donald Trump was elected president. Um, this book of memoirs was seen by both sides of the sort of political aisle, the Republicans and the Democrats, as a sort of window into how um, rural white um, 
communities in sort of the Rust Belt states in the US were thinking and why they were voting for Donald Trump. Um, and so it sold millions of copies um, as a result of that because people thought it was a useful sort of insight into how millions and millions of Americans were thinking at the time. Um, and I think with that and with J.D. Vance himself, I think there's a lot of... Um, what's the right word? <laughs> there's a lot of... Um, controversy? Controversy. I don't think he's... I don't think he's a lot of people's favourite... Um, favorite guy um i think there's a lot of people who sort of resent the way that he present has presented appalachian uh, culture in his book and having spoken about it since um i am pronouncing appalachian by the way that's we i did research this before that is how the english are supposed to pronounce it but i think you can pronounce the appalachian did we find out as well reese appalachian or something like that yeah appalachian yeah i'm gonna say appalachian because that's how i pronounce it um which is, uh, but yeah, there's a lot of people who have found his portrayal and, and how he wrote about the Appalachian culture and communities very, it is sort of very derogatory and, and downtreading. Um, and I think he's got ties to, um, he's a self, he's, he's a Republican. He, know, he said he didn't vote for Trump in 2016, but then he's got personal ties to some pretty dodgy people in the Republican Party, people like Brett Kavanaugh and uh, people like that. So I think he's a bit of a controversial character. Um, which we'll talk about his character when we actually review the film, but I think it's important that we say off the bat that the three of us aren't very savvy on the um, the controversy that sort of provides the, the background for, for this film. Um, so I don't think it'd be fair for us to comment on it too much when we don't know about it, but where it's relevant, we will bring that into our discussions to the extent that we know about it. Um so we're going to review this as a sort of just a film in its own right. And I say those sort of external, external sort of influences will be talked about briefly as and when we can. So looking at Hillbilly Elegy as a film, my first question to the two of you is. <clears throat> what's the point? <laughs> like what is I was saying to Reese before you joined this, this call, Jake, and I think you can look at this film from sort of three different schools of thought my first school of thought is that um as the reason why the book was such a bestseller is that you can is it a sort of commentary or sort of documentary on appalachian culture and communities um the answer to that is no because it offers no wider context to anybody in these communities other than the vance family um it uses a lot of stereotypes about appalachian culture and and impoverished people which we'll talk about so i don't know that it's kind of like a a window into it's that. a very incisive political no, you know, no. not at all yeah no. and considering that the book was so successful because of it and off the back of sort of the political uh atmosphere in the country at the time this film is completely apolitical which i found mm. really weird um so i don't think it's it's that which is weird because that's why the book was so successful successful and that's the film is nothing like that at all secondly you can look at it as a biopic of J.D. Vance himself, but then I think it completely fails in that regard because, A, it doesn't really tell you who he is and what he does and what he became successful for other than being a guy to go to law school at Yale. Um, like, the three of us, we after watching it, we still had no idea who J.D. Vance was. Mm. Um, <laughs> so it, and, and most importantly, <laughs> I didn't really care either. Yeah, exactly. No. <laughs> yeah, we, 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 we will get to that as well, but... Yeah, so it fails as a biopic because it didn't teach us who he was, didn't tell us about what he is and has achieved since. 
And then thirdly, just as a film in terms of, right, so if you look at it, it's not a biopic, it's not a sort of a film that we can learn from, learn about other cultures. So is it just an entertaining film? And the answer is no, because (laughs) there's so little meat on the bones in terms of story that it doesn't really sort of... It doesn't act. It doesn't act as a sort of piece of performance art either. Like it's not entertaining, really. There's parts of it that are, but it. I think it's, it's very. In terms of entertaining, it's neither here nor there. It's not like. I, I wasn't especially bored or anything, but I just, I just wasn't bothered. Like. I said to. I said to Beth, my overall residing feeling of it was just complete madness. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's just like the scientific term. Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. So look at look at on a scale of one to ten, I fall at me. Yeah, <laughs> um, and I know a lot of people have had much more visceral reactions to it mm. um, because of their um, personal and emotional ties with um, some of the stuff that is that is shown here and sort of yeah, it's taken advantage of really in some in some cases and exploited and stuff. But we'll get to that. Um, but yeah, I don't really know what the purpose of this film is, and I re- and I was think I've been thinking about it since I watched. It. I've been watched it two day two days ago, and I still don't know what this film is and why it why it exists in the format that it, that it does. I I haven't Ooh. read the book, so I can't say whether it's a a um a, a, a an accurate adaptation at all. But I would have just thought that a book that was so successful because people bought it as a how are 25 million American citizens thinking at the minute could have so little political commentary mm-hmm. to to support it. Uh, that, that's my overriding thing on what on earth was this film trying to attain. And it also, it got released at such a, like, a volatile time for it. Yeah. Because it obviously is just in the wake of one of the greatest political victories we've seen in the last few years. Yeah. Um, and it's... I've... I've never watched a news channel for 72 hours straight, but <laughs> CNN, I've, I've watched a lot of CNN over those, over those few days. It just felt like the kind of book that it obviously it came out in 2016, which is at the height of everything that was going wrong. And it felt like the producers must have seen, must have gone to JD Vance being like, we want to make this film because it seems topical and also will make you the hero of the story. Are you in? And Vance was like, yes, obviously I'm the best person in the world. <laughs> you know? And it's just, you know, yeah. his life becomes the, catalyst for the whole story and yeah it is his memoir of course but if you want to make a story about the last four you know how the four years that america has been going through came to be you need to do it in a much more kind of incisive and you know actually kind of commentarial way if that yeah. is a word there's absolutely that, it, it failed completely yeah there's zero political context to this film mm. whatsoever and i said that to jake afterwards because jake you hadn't you didn't know who JD Vance was, so I said, "Did you? Yeah. Did you? Did you feel any sort of political? Did he get a whiff of anything sort of political from it?" And you said you didn't zero. at all. Zero. <laughs> I, when we when when I I think when we'd all well I think you 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 watched it last night, you Reese, but when I we'd did. watched it and we spoke about it, Nick, I, I still I was I was more surprised than anything because I went in so blind to learn that it was such a kind of hot topic for this person, like. I came out of it just thinking. I saw obviously it was based on this guy, and I just thought it was a, a general kind of discussion about his life. I didn't get any any sense of politics whatsoever. So I was very surprised when we were talking about the book and everything. When we when we looked into it afterwards, that it was actually such a big deal because it really didn't feel like it. 
at all when watching yeah, it. Yeah, it just it literally just felt about it felt like yeah a guy's a guy sitting and reminiscing about his childhood, but mm. that's a guy that we don't care about at all because we have no idea. The yeah. film doesn't tell us who he is, apart from that at this point in his life he's he's trying to get some intern jobs with the top um top legal firms in mm. um wherever it is. Okay, in New York he's trying to get jobs in. Um, I can't remember. But yeah, it's just like I don't understand none of it makes it's trying to do I say it's trying to do like three or four different things at the same time and achieves none, but I also at the same time don't know what it is trying to do. Because I, I just <laughs> I don't know what anyone was trying to do, to be honest. <laughs> I just, like I, I just in the nice way possible, I don't know what I don't know what Amy Adams is thinking. I don't mm. know what Glenn Close is thinking. I don't know what Ron Howard's thinking. Like in terms of like, why did they attach themselves to this? What I'd love to hear the pitch that got people on board because it it surely can't have been accurate to what came out. At no, sure. Because I also think fundamentally as well, if you want to just make the argument that it wasn't meant to be a political film, it was just meant to be a story mm. of this guy's life. This guy's life is boring. Yeah, it's yeah, like doing a bit by becoming my neighbour or something. Yeah, like. it was just like every typical teenager has that rebellious phase. As the, has that I want to break out from my family's kind of mm. protection. I want to be independent. It was nothing and we had never seen before. And stuff like, yeah, how yeah. we've seen a million films like that. Exactly. <laughs> I think J.D. Vance has been on record himself and said, like, he doesn't think he did anything remarkable. Like, he literally went to law school. I could confirm that. That's true. So, yeah. yeah. And so, <laughs> and if, but if that was the, that's his own mindset. So what, then why did they try and do a biopic film? Is what I think I've settled on is probably the closest because it's mm-hmm. about the Vance family and about JD Vance. Like he said himself, nothing remarkable. I'm nothing remarkable. Nothing remarkable has happened to me. I just went to law school. So why would you try and tell such a boring story? I think that's the crux of the problem. And they've tried to do a biopic just because the the book is successful, but in yeah. essence, the story isn't actually that interesting. Yeah, the J.D. Vance's story is not what should be taking focus. It's mm. the story of the hardship and the struggle of the 25 million people who are t- who live in these Appalachian states. Like, that's the story. The story is the people who are living off $5,000 a year. Mm. Like, that's where the story is, and that's the story that needs to be told. Not and they're the ones J. who D. felt, Vance's you know, story. they felt betrayed <laughs> by, you know, the American government, and they felt like they were forgotten about. And that's what inspired this rise to, you know, for a populist candidate. And yeah. that wasn't present in anything yeah. that Hilbert Yard was trying to say. Yeah. Do you think? Do you think they just? I don't know. Do you think they they kind of didn't dare push on that too much? Mm. Maybe. But if that's the case, why do this story at all? Just leave. Well, yeah, it, exactly. Leave, yeah. Like the yeah. memoir and the book is there in written form for people to read if they want to do that. Why choose J.D. Vance's personal story? To... Is it is it just that's, a, a bit of a cash grab? I don't know what mm. JD Vance's personal story like in the book. I don't know like how much of it is X Y Z happened to me rather than X happened to me and Y was mm. happening to my friends and family and community. I don't know from what I've read. I think it's um, I think it's pretty self centered. But um... <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> I've what... read as well. I've from seen some incredible takes from it, and it's like. This is the guy that you wanted to write about. Yeah, he's such a boring and sort of uninteresting Mm. protagonist. It's just um, there was a really, really good tweet that I saw. I can't remember. Oh no, yeah, it was by Mark Harris on um, 
uh, Mark Harris NYC is his Twitter handle. And he said, making yourself the bravest, most honest, most decent person in your story is almost never a good dramatic or narrative idea. And that, that's, so, yeah. that's so pertinent here because like he is portrayed as like this sort of, yeah, like sort of godly sort of saint character. And it's like he descends back upon this on this mm. community, back from the from Yale school, and all the people in his life are still trying to drag him down. Even when he returns, his mum's still still a heroin addict, and his sister's still struggling to deal with it. So these people are always trying to drag him down, and he's always trying to to break free. It's just like, yeah, it felt really. I think that's weird. quite. Even that's a very interesting kind of idea though if, if if you kind of get into his head for writing that and how he perceives himself that's quite interesting but even mm. that didn't really come across in the film like it just felt very pretentious rather than being like a kind of analytical look at how he perceives himself it didn't it just came across as like you say just a not even a like not even a hero thing or anything because it, it was it wasn't even that interesting enough to be a hero. It was just a a guy coming back and thinking he's better than everyone else. And I also think as well he never there were lots of things that he did wrong throughout the film and throughout his life. Like for example, he mm. crashed his grandma's car. He tried to steal. He gets absolutely zero repercussions. From Nothing. <laughs> he stole a calculator and his grandma was like, "Oh, don't be a dickhead. Oh, by the way, I bought it for you instead." What? And then he chucks it. <laughs> and then <laughs> what? Where's the, the lesson? Game. Where's the yeah. lesson in that? And like, if we're to take, as is the case, that the that that Mama Glenn Close's character is impoverished to an like ridiculously impoverished, and he was selfish enough to take her car and crash it, mm. like mm. that would have been her only source of going to the shops or going to, and like he faced absolutely zero repercussion from that. Like maybe that's, that's maybe that's, that's an interesting point. I, again, I had to make a just gross generalization i've assumed the vast majority of people in these communities don't own their own property they'll be rented properties so mm. they don't have the income to buy properties so the car is mama's like biggest um investment or investor yeah. like that's the yeah the biggest thing of any value she has and he's just yeah. taken it and sm- crash smashed it like the, and is those... that is that not a, <laughs> a kind of metaphor for america <laughs> maybe the way that it, the last four years were <laughs> Jacob, you've done it. The film makes sense now. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> um, yeah, I just think it's really weird that the biopic is focused on one guy's story rather than the entire culture. Mm-hmm. Because that's why the book was so successful and why the book was bought, because it was about the thoughts, the headspace and the thought process of of a group of millions of people. And that is not even touched upon, like, at all. I I honestly think it, it could be just the case that the book was successful, so they're going to make a film out of it knowing that people will watch it and mm. they didn't really care or 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 dare, whichever way around it is, for, for kind of pushing that as much as it could have been. And I yeah. think they just thought if you stick some good actors in and attach a good director for a story that's successful already, you're going to get yeah. people watching it. Which and it's, it's caused been. a reaction as well. Yeah, obviously, Netflix so. will Netflix will come along in two weeks and say fifty million people watched mm. Toby Elegy in the first first week. They don't the say the reason why people are <laughs> no. talking about it, no. but it's happened. Well, yeah. it opens the whole can of worms. Is is any good press good press? Um, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, yes, it is in that sense. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of things actually in the film that annoyed me as well. We'll get to those very brief, very shortly. But one, I just think it going back to this idea, I think it's that 
the stuff that wasn't in the film that annoyed me more than the stuff that was in the film because mm. I think it's so immoral and um, just dirty to sort of uh, t- to show these people in sort of such impoverished conditions and states and um, uh, uh, Bev, Amy, Amy Adams' character is called, and her situation uh, with, uh, um, with drug addiction and also often no context to why mm. these people are in this situation. That's, that's exactly like, the problem. It just shows a, it just shows a load of characters with every single stereotype you can possibly think of. You've got like the explosive drug addict, you've got the the abusive husband, you've got the abusive mum, uh, you've got like kids getting high at the age of twelve and what like you've got every single possible stereotype you could think about when when without writing, any reasoning, without for any it. context, to saying why these people are so impoverished mm. and for. A book that was so successful, successful because of its socio-political commentary, allegedly, to not include that is, I think, is just well, it's well, bliss, ignorance, it's is bliss, just surface it? level kind of nonsense, really. In it, they're just, they're just putting these characters in because they know they exist, but they're not cutting any deeper as to why they exist. That's the yeah. big problem there. I just, I think it deals with the whole issue of poverty really poorly. Mm. Um, partly because it doesn't show any context, it just shows a load of stereotypical characters. I just think, and I think it's just something that's been done so much better in other films. Like, mm. I think if I think of something I've watched recently is Sean Baker's Florida Project, mm. oh, yeah. which is not is in a completely different league to this. Like, they're mm. not even comparable because of the way it approaches and um, and shows poverty. Like, Florida Project is so so human and so authentic and even though these are impoverished people and it does define them in commas, like their life is defined by their poverty like it doesn't feel debilitating and it doesn't feel stereotypical mm. at all it's just like this is their world whereas this it's... is like this was like oh look at amy adams character making terrible decisions again like <laughs> i'd yeah i just feel like yeah they were... pro- <laughs> like things yeah. like florida projects have that kind of they do cut to the core of the human side yeah. of these people and stuff and Hillbilly Elegy. I hate that name by the way. I can't terrible, I can't keep yeah. saying it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just even that is just like just a horrendous name for a film, I think. Um Yeah. Yeah, because like if if you think of actually what the definition of an elegy is, yeah. it's like a song or a poem to to like Pretty sorrowful after oh, this after, is it's, this it's is as far from it's after somebody's died an elegy is oh, after somebody's died and that eulogy, so, not an elegy no an elegy is that the eulogy is the speech an elegy is like the poem or the song uh, right is that's yeah. like a reflection either so way this is not that <laughs> right <laughs> so it's like yeah he's 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 what he's written a, it's, it's his poem his song about the death of his hillbilliness i don't know mm. <sighs> it's just terrible isn't it <laughs> mm. um yeah i just think other films have done poverty so much better yeah and it's i think it's an incredibly important subject to to approach mm. especially at the minute i think all over the world particularly with what's happened in the last eight nine ten months there's going to be a lot more people find themselves sort of on or below the poverty line that there were ten or nine or ten months ago so i think it's a really mm. important discussion to have but you need to include the context and you need to include the humanity. Otherwise, the message just gets lost completely. It's just... Mm. Even something like 
uh I forget what it was. It had two. It had a name over here and America that are different. Is it Little Woods the one with? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Tessa Thompson and yeah. um, Lily James. Lily James. Like even though that's more of like a dramatic story and it's got sort of the, um, uh, yeah, it's 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 more it's more dramatic. Like it mm. still sh- does the poverty side of it much better than this. Oh, this, hundred than this times does. better. And <laughs> um, Winter's Bone with um, Jennifer Lawrence in it. Mm-hmm. That does the same. Like I wasn't mad on that film as in as a whole, but that does the poverty side, poverty portrayal so much better and so much more authentically. Reese, like you said before this, and again, I think this is an example I've read uh, online that people have said about the whole credit card situation with oh JD. God, do you want to just go off on that for a bit? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there was. I think this does link to a point that he makes in the book, which I'll mention afterwards. But there's a point when JD is driving back home. Um, and he has some important thing to deal with where he, our family comes first, so he's driving across the country, but he's got no money. And at one point he stops to get some petrol on the way and his credit card gets, credit card gets declined. But mm. if he was this poor, he would know what's on his cards. Like yeah. he would be counting yeah, you know, those pennies penny. and those pounds yeah. as much as he could to make sure that I've got this much to get this far and I've got to save that properly. You know, that is the expense of a man who doesn't care what he spends. You know, mm, he is yeah. not, you know, put living in this really tough uh, way yeah. of life. Put and it then... on the other card. Yeah, like what exactly. kind of a mindset is that for oh, somebody alleged? It's just, I think that's the kind of, th- that's definitely an example I saw some people pick up on. Mm. I was like, that is just such a poor portrayal of people living in poverty. It's because... a misunderstanding of how people yeah. live. People have said that's how rich people would write poor people. Like, exactly. Not, not, knowing yeah, how yeah. Much exactly money, not knowing how much money they've got on their card, where in reality, like Reese said, if you knew you had to get to place a from place b mm. and you had to go in your car you would know that you had 17 dollars and 18 cents in your bank account and you i think just any normal <laughs> person any yeah. normal person would do that i do that do you i know think what I mean? like... in that situation like i currently you know live in paycheck to paycheck type thing end of the month you always right i've got to kind of clench up a bit 10 pound of petrol in my car that'll get me to i know to like thursday whatever you know you do those yeah. things you do yeah. that's what everyone keeps track I think of that's a natural human kind yeah. of way of living obviously and that just those people yeah that was an example that i think pissed a lot of people off when it's just like well this is clearly not any taking any kind of attempt to any to do a sort of accurate or meaningful portrayal of poverty at all it's just Mm -hmm. what a load of people in a writing room thought poverty looked like Mm. which is a real shame as well because vanessa taylor who wrote it is a very good writer she's done some like she wrote diversion which i i think is quite a good kind of young adult film to start a series off you know, she she's Shape of Water, didn't she? Shape of Water, she she got nominated for an Oscar. Oh, really? for it. I think she even won the Oscar for it, essentially. Yeah, her and Del Toro did, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, she's a very talented writer, and a, to me, watching this film, I got frustrated by how badly it was written. Um, I think Craig's just left, by the way, but don't yeah. mind. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> he's heard enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, reco- the recording bot is. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I was about to say something. What was I going to say? You're talking about um, Vanessa Taylor right. and how annoyed yeah. you were. Um, yeah, my point's gone entirely. <laughs> <laughs> Craig distracted me. How dare you, Craig? Uh, <laughs> Don't yeah, come back to me. Yeah, she was producer on Game. Of- Looking on her uh, on her um, IMDb page, she was a producer on Game of Thrones as well. That's it. That's what I was going to say. So yeah, she's got kind of a lot of good credits. You've got Ron Howard, who is a very mm. good director, like Apollo 13, Beautiful Mind, even Solo is quite good. Um, 
and yet this film, The Grinch, <laughs> classic in the. I really, I really, yeah. really like the first two Da Vinci Code films as well. Yeah, the first one I think is better than the second one. But I, I really like them both. Different conversation. Yeah. Um, but this film, to me, it felt like we don't have it over here, but it felt like a lifetime movie. You know those films mm. that they just they whack out for hundred grand mm. and they get bad actors with like simple staging, you know, easy you know shots to do, and it's just like. It didn't feel like a particularly well-made film either. This is this is exactly what I've kind of written down in my notes and mm. stuff. It just felt like a soap opera. It really did, and it, it just, was it so really on the nose of, and stuff. Like. Yeah, and like it, the, there were so many lines. I didn't write anything down because I just like I just got so frustrated with it. But there were some really corny lines in there. Mm. There were so many times when uh, Glenn Close's character Momar had. Oh. A chance to say something quite profound and mm. like here is an actual life lesson that JD can take from mm. this. Yeah. And she just go she just descend into swearing and effing and jeffing again. And it was just like, well, there was the point and you missed it. <laughs> like it was just so many times it just descended into like we said. Again, not I, uh, again I think that's the problem with the stereotypes. Yeah. yeah. The 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 being so kind of blind to the idea that these kind of people could even say anything eloquent and meaningful. That they just swear instead. Like even yeah. the yeah the stuff that she tried to say that was profound, like the whole Terminator thing was just <laughs> nonsense. Like <laughs> shit. Like I did. Like I was like, what are you trying to say? Like it, yeah, it was just. It's just it was one of those things where it's like everyone is good or evil, fine, but they just like mm. oh everyone's a good Terminator or a bad, a Terminator, bad Terminator or neutral. So <laughs> your whole argument <laughs> is irrelevant now. <laughs> Because people are sometimes people are just middle of the road. <laughs> this is what we got for the, yeah. There were oh, it even extended to times where I felt like this was kind of like sort of like a an SNL sketch. Like some of the acting was just like was. we'll get we'll speak to the we'll go to the acting now because it's one of the things that people have been talking about. It was some case where it was so over the top. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Glenn. Glenn Close and Amy Adams have very different roles in this film. Uh, Amy Adams is the explosive, literally every scene, every scene she's in, she's setting off a hand grenade and running away. Like, and then Glenn Close has a much more sort of anchoring role. But I don't know. What did you think? I don't want to say either of them were bad, but there were points. No, there were points where I think both of them were like a bit like, "Ooh, that's you're, you're hamming this up maybe a little bit too." Much. Yeah, I think they both <laughs> because they're both such talented act- actresses. It was just one of those situ actors like I don't know what the phrase is. Um, it's just one of those things where I think they did realize this was a bit of a hammy film, mm. so they hammed it up as as much as they could. But yeah. it goes so far over the cliff that it just becomes a parody of what they were going for. And I think it was very much intended to be this big Oscar bait thing of... Because Amy Adams has had this run of she's been nominated a billion times, ever won. Glenn Close mm-hmm. has won several times over the years. But it's just it was just them trying way too hard to be this kind of easy-to-relate-to character for much of like kind of middle America. And it just it didn't work. Glenn mm. Close has never actually won either. No, she she's, hasn't. Actually. She's she been she's been nominated nominated seven times, so more oh, times wow. than Amy Adams. Um, wow. Amy Adams has got six nominations, and obviously, famously, no no win. Mm. Yeah, this um, this ain't it. <laughs> this, this it's not happening this time. <laughs> this is not it. If it is this one, I'm gonna be fuming. Oh. Yeah, it's like it can't it's, be. It's like the whole Leo and Revenant situation on crack, because like even mm. though 
even though uh, Leo was great in the Revenant, like I'm not saying that mm. Leo was bad in the Revenant. Like this it was just is, his time, wasn't it? Was, it? That yeah, one. it was. yeah, that was more like a cumulative effect. Of, Amy like, Adams right, doesn't deserve one ever now. For the... <laughs> <laughs> no, she's, I'm joking. She, she's still brilliant. But... Don't say that. But yeah, no. like uh, yeah. So everyone was a bit mad that Leo got it for the Revenant, but that was because it, yeah, it was it was time for Leo to get one. Mm. Like if Amy Adams won for this, like I think the world would burn down. Like, <laughs> like yeah, I think, I think like you said, it, it, neither of the performances were particularly bad, but they definitely weren't good. And and by these guys' standards, they were, you know, probably the worst. Yeah, like ever done. Amy Adams is one of those actresses that if Amy Adams is in a film, and it really, I will go and watch it. Like she has yeah. that, she has that pull power for me. Um, and yeah, she's. Yeah, and, and, I mean, like even like I say, this performance isn't anywhere near her best. It's probably her worst. It's still probably better than a lot of people are <laughs> capable of. Yeah, but it's just it's just such a letdown to see yeah. the two of them doing doing this kind of performance. Definitely, I think Amy Adams was having fun with it. I think um, mm. particularly the scene when she was high in the hospital and she was getting on the roller skates and stuff. Like, she looked like she was having fun. She was yeah. having fun with it, but. Um, yeah, the scene that I think she was most effective in was was this scene where JD walks back in and she's um, trying to shoot mm. up with heroin again. I thought that was yeah. quite. That was the first time where, like, the film is very. Even though it has like explosions of drama, it's very sort of just plods along. Plods along, yeah, but then yeah, yeah mm. that was the scene where I was like, it kind of reached sort of a climax, and I was like, okay, Amy Adams is actually actually doing some good mm. work. She was mm. doing some really and then and then JD Vance ruined it. I feel yeah, like it was a really nice moment. Well, kind of nice moment, not very nice moment, but <laughs> and she's like, stay with me, blah blah blah, and then he's like, does his hero thing again of like, no, yeah. I can't stay. I need to, to do better than what you guys yeah, are doing. Yeah. And that, yeah, again, it just killed that moment completely. Like, yeah. obviously, I know they got to do whatever happened in real life. I, maybe did do that. But I just, yeah. maybe that it would have been more important and more interesting for him to stay. Yeah, and, it, felt like the, it felt like the first time that JD actually understood his mum. Mm. Yeah, yeah, um, and then he was just like, "But I'm still gonna leave." Yeah, yeah bye. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My sister's here now, so yeah. Um, I think yeah, the, I think the guy, the kid who played JD, um, it's his name, Owen Owen Astalos. I think he did a good job. Yeah, he was, um, right. he was better than he the older good. JD. Yeah, yeah, he was. Older JD was a bit wooden. Sorry, Gabriel. Older J, yeah, and I, I've written in my notes. I don't want to be mean about him, but <laughs> <laughs> again, he... that might be a that might be a, a he's mimicking real life JD. Yeah, Maybe, I don't know if know, that's but... the reason I didn't like him though. I don't think it is. I think it's just he was the crucial element of the soap opera feel to it all. Mm. Yeah, he felt very amateur level. Acting. I am going to stand here and deliver my line. Mm, yeah, yeah, very, 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 very. I think Haley Bennett did a good job, and I think she probably comes out of this the most unscathed out of yeah. everybody. She's probably yeah, like, I think she was so, like kind of solid. Yeah, yeah, subtly quite decent in this actually. She because probably she wasn't front and center. Mm, yeah. She kind of just you know in the background for the few scenes she actually did all right. Yeah, she, um, did. she made a, a little impact in a good way. I think. Yeah, I think so. But again, Talking. I think it yeah, felt so like, so I'm just going to say, it, on that level, they tried to portray J.D. Vance as being the best of us, didn't they? Yeah, and he was like, going to the, he was went to escape their kind of town and go off to the big city and do all those things. 
and yet he was surrounded by people who were just better than he deserved. Like I think Lindsay, his sister, was actually very quite you know nice, and she just yeah, wanted she to do was. the best she could. Like, and but his his she... missus, his Usha, was very nice, and she yeah. was far too good for him. Like that point at the end when he was like, "I'm in trouble. I need you to do this all." When she was like, "Yeah, I'll do it now." Drops a step, yeah, gets shoes she, on, and he was even when he was horrible to her, she was still yeah. like, oh, "I want to be involved." Kind of yeah, thing. But... and it's just like I we never saw what exactly made him so worthy of that much care mm. and love. You know, yeah, mm. he's a very just very nondescript character. Yeah, I know a lot of people dislike him in real JD Vance in real in real life, but like. Apart, like he is, it's just very. Again, I use the word meh. He's meh. He is. <laughs> like, yeah, he's the just, reason. There's no, for this to be your protagonist, and like this is his story, and this is the story you have to buy into to take anything from this film. Like I literally didn't care. Mm. No. I cared more about about his sister. Like, because she seemed more sort of human and sort of switched on, and I know she did the whole thing where she kept running off to. Do you know what? Actually, now you say that, how much more interesting would it be to have seen her story with him coming in and her sticking around and seeing all the poverty and everything, probably doing what she can. Yeah, that would be so much more interesting. Yeah, as she kind of contradicts the story that you have to leave this place to go and have a happy life because Mm. she had a got got married, have a husband, like had a few kids, and was very happily sort of married, and, and was doing everything she could. Yeah, and that's all that anyone can do. And that's really, arguably it, so. probably the more interesting story that like oh, you can 100%. make success from that situation. Yeah, yeah, we I'd, I'd have watched that and enjoyed that. Mm. <laughs> that would have been better. Yeah, I just uh, too yeah. late now. Yeah, it's too late. Well, It'll be the edge too. In the writers room. Electric <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> 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 Um. Can we just? I just whilst we're talking about the characters, um, Mama is portrayed as like JD's rock. Mm. Um, mm. When everything goes wrong, he goes back to his his grandma. And in the film, like she dies in like a little like montage montage of things like a little uh, epilogue at the end. Mm-hmm. Like it's really weird. Mm. Like mm. I thought. I feel like for. Um, for Bev's character, when her father died, that was the thing that tipped her over the edge. Mm. Like, I feel like that was JD's moment in his own life was Mama dying. Yeah, and, and she like, just went out with a whimper. That yeah. was just passed over in like ten seconds. Mm. I thought that was really weird. Like their yeah. relationship is the one that they spend sort of the last half hour of the film really cementing when, yeah. uh, when he moves in with her and he like she encourages him to get the calculator and do well at school and make new friends and everything like that. She's the reason for everything that he is. Yeah. And and she just, just disappears. Yeah, literally, there's, there's, they, they show no, close to nothing of mm. of how that that part of JD's life ended. It's really bizarre. That was a really bizarre choice by either. I'd, yeah, I'd, uh, either just a long, one in a long or... line of... Yeah, or I don't know if it's yeah. something that they shot and wrote and just ended up on the cutting room floor, or but I feel Do you like know what should was... have ended up on the cutting room floor. The whole film. This is the... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this, there's one scene in particular that that made me and and Chloe, my partner, laugh as well, and it probably wasn't meant to be funny. I don't think anyway, 
but the the scene where Mamo sets Papa on fire. Oh yeah, that was yeah, class. That was <laughs> just ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> but... To the sound of Oh Holy Night as well. It's just... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no. It was. I mean, they they set it up literally seconds before saying if you're drunk again i'll set you on fire and i thought okay that's a figure of speech yeah oh no no he was drunk so she set him on fire on christmas morning um yeah that scene was just (laughs) so like last that that was was one of the most opera yeah 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 Yeah. that was just ridiculous yeah i love it though (laughs) that was the best scene (laughs) (laughs) i just another weird decision that they made i was the way that it was cut together, the story, like the way that oh, jumped... The narrative, it was all... Yeah, the narrative yeah. structure was bizarre and quite sort of... I wouldn't go as far to say, like, confusing, but it certainly made it more... It was jarring. Yeah, Definitely. jarring is a better word, yeah. Like, yeah, it just made things a lot more difficult to sort of comprehend and the characters much more difficult to, to understand and comprehend and bond with mm. as well. Like, which I'm sure was the point because you're supposed to feel empathy for these characters. Or are you? Mm. Are you meant to look at? <laughs> are you meant to look at Amy Adams' character and think, "I feel sorry for her"? Are you supposed to look at her and think, "Like, good job, Jodie, you forget her way"? I never got that impression. That you're meant to be rude. No, I don't really. I think we've already touched on this quite a lot, but I just I don't know. Well, it comes back down to the main point we said at the start of the episode. Where I just don't get why they made this film. I don't get what the the approach was no. so it's hard to know who they wanted us to kind of root for if anyone did he did, did the filmmakers care about anyone involved I think in if this? you think of all the female characters in jd's life you think of bev mama his sister Lindsay, and usha his girlfriend mm. like he hates all of them for different reasons <laughs> even usha who's like his his girlfriend like in quote-unquote like his new world in at Yale, mm. like. He doesn't feel like she's smart or intelligent enough to deal with the fact that his mum's a heroin addict mm. and like and compassionate enough to deal with that. And mm. like he doesn't doesn't feel like he can or strong enough. He yeah, he phrases yeah. it as that she wouldn't be able to deal with it. Able to deal it's with too that. much for her, which like, is weird. Yeah. Like she's a she puts up she puts up with him, so I'm sure she can manage <laughs> the rest. of She's it. like a what a woman in her early twenties. Like I'm sure she yeah. could deal with with her boyfriend's mum being a being a drug addict and like and then obviously more obviously uh bev is a character that he yeah he just keeps dragging him down and i feel like all the female characters are portrayed as like these stones tied to to jd's like ankles and they've dropped him in a lake and he's trying to swim out and that's how it comes across and i don't know if that is how the, it comes across in the book that all the women in his life were dragging him <laughs> to the bottom of the lake but and he was trying to swim against the tide but that's how it came across in the film, and it, I I don't know. It feel it creates a really bizarre concoction. Yeah, of it, what it's tr- weird. What am I trying to or supposed to be rooting for here? Mm. Like, this is it. I I think we've all said it in in like the chats before and stuff leading up to this episode. It's just a weird film. It's a weird kind of experience watching it. I did. I just didn't. I didn't not understand it because it's a very simple story and everything but i just didn't understand what was going on like in terms of what am i meant to be experiencing here like we said the genre the genre style of filmmaking of it is it a biopic is it a family drama is it a political story no to all of them pretty much is it a a happy story that we're meant to feel good about or is it a damning kind of portrayal of 
you know, the Rust Belt and stuff, pretty much neither of those either. Mm-hmm. There's just nothing. I don't know. It's it's just weird. I have no idea. It's what just the so weird. I don't know what the USP. <laughs> I don't know what they went into, pitched it to Netflix or no. the studio, and said this is the USP of this film, and this is the mm. this point of view we're taking from it, and this is what we're going to try and sort of the emotion we're trying to get. I literally don't know how or what they pitched. Like I say, they probably just went in with the book sale figures and, and said yeah, this people will watch it. Yeah, yeah. That's, that, that must be all they did. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. As well as confusing, I feel, like in terms of tonally and thematically and everything, I found it quite condescending as well. Like the whole, this is a story that ev- this is the kind of view that everybody who's a little bit misinformed will say about anybody who's living in poverty is like, if you, they just made some good, took some good decisions for once, they'd be able to mm. like pull themselves above the poverty line and get on with their lives. This and is like, it, like we said, it's it's an, an ignorant writing stance. And like, it's it's like it's like a room of men writing women or mm-hmm. a room of white people writing a black person's story and stuff like that. It just didn't feel like they understood the gravity of the situation they were portraying mm-hmm. at all. And that was yeah, and that was just kind of sort of embodied by the final voiceover. I hated the voiceover. The final voiceover mm-hmm. in the last scene when he's getting called through for the interview <sighs> and he was like Mama always used to tell me that where we come from is who we are, but we choose every day who we become. And it's just like that whole idea <laughs> that it's like, well, if you just did something with your life and worked hard enough and did mm. your algebra yeah. school, you could It's be, easy. Yeah, like, and it's just like, well, it's not, is it? Because guess what? All the people who live in these communities and live in such impoverished communities, guess what? They still work fucking hard every single day, either whether that's going to work or making sure their kids go to school, mm. or finding food for their family. Like, they're, like every day they're working hard in whatever form that takes. So mm. to sort of condescendingly say, well, if you just fucking tried a little bit harder, you could be me. Like, that's... It's, <laughs> the, prob- it, the problem <laughs> is is that J.D. Vance is clearly more of an anomaly than an example, mm-hmm. and I, I don't think they've understood that. You know, for him to kind of get this success that he's got at Yale and everything is... Mm is a kind of anomaly of the normal situation it's well, very yeah. very it's, it's a kind of it's the kind of arrogance that he has to think that my one personal experience of living mm. in ohio can explains be the entirety of america like, yeah how, the american kind of... dream personified exactly. yeah like you are one man with one big family how mm. does that represent 200 million people Mm. Yeah, you absolute dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> it's true though. Like it's 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 whenever whenever anybody's uh, people. This is a much more sort of wider philosophical point than just about hillbilly elegy. When people are like, person A is having these struggles in his life, his or her life, and person B says, "Well, if you do A B S A B C, you'll get out of it." And it's like, well, mm. yeah, you A B and C will work to person B, but like mm. A B and C might not work to put the first person mm. and like. You can offer advice, and that's fine because people are sometimes looking for advice. But when you say it like and address it like, well, fucking pull up. This is the solution. Yeah, pull yourself up and get on with it. Like, mm. it, that's so unhelpful. And uh, yeah, I found the voiceovers quite condescending because I think they were supposed to be kind of like grand statements. Ron Howard loves a voiceover, though, doesn't he? He does. They were trying to be sort of grand and sort of, mm. and they weren't at all. I just found them really condescending. I don't like mm. voiceovers generally as a. No. As a as they a need to be technique. really good. Yeah. Um, Shawshank Redemption does it well. Yeah. When done well, it's good, but generally, I, I don't really like voiceovers. It's a bit of a lazy 
crutch of storytelling, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lazy way to sort of, yeah, to, to dump a load of sort of exposition on a load yeah. of characters. Show, sure, don't um, tell. Yeah. yeah. First rule. Um, yeah. There's probably the music no... music was good. The music, the music was, good. was good. Hans Zimmer's always really good. I couldn't believe it was Hans Zimmer. Yeah. <laughs> this is what he didn't do. Uh, what did he... Hasn't he done? He didn't do Tenet. He, he was doing Hillbilly L in June. <clears throat> You're joking. No, he was doing June. <laughs> oh god i believe that completely <laughs> no it didn't do tenet because he was doing june but um okay that's yeah. fine i'm sure he probably did the hillbilly energy fairly quickly because i don't it's not like it's got massive sweeping like title pieces but it's a really nice sort of yeah it's a mellow, very mellow accompaniment and it does have a quite a nice kind of rural vibe to it like with the guitar and the violin mm. and stuff it just feels quite nice it's very cello heavy as well which i mm. i love because i'm 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 a cellist You're a cello head I, i'm a cellist I am, yeah, so <laughs> i love it and hans hans zimmer's scores are then generally very cello heavy he loves a yeah. he loves a good cello so um that's probably why i like hans zimmer so much um is there much Should more... we stop talking about Hillbilly? I think we're I think we're done with Hillbilly. <laughs> There's probably like so you know much what? more we could say. Actually, but... no, I will I will just say a little bit. We're going to talk about how much what kind of score we give it. I'm guessing, aren't we? Yeah. I th- I do feel like we've been quite um, not harsh because it deserves it, but we have been quite negative one's, about one-sided. it. One sided. Yeah. Yeah. I will I will say to be fair to it, I wasn't particularly bored. I you know I, I was fairly interested watching it you know I've, and it's definitely not the worst film i've seen this year i know oh, i think some of the sort of more vitriolic takes um mm. come from a i'm probably again i'm generalizing and speaking for a lot of people here which is an exact con- uh, contradiction to what i said earlier but like i think a lot of the sort of more sort of harsh takes come from a stance of the social political background yeah. that we discussed at the beginning rather yeah. than maybe at the film actually itself but no, it, it was, you know, like we said, the acting was quite bad in places, but some of it was okay. The the music and, and sometimes the visuals were pretty good. I think some of it looked really pretty. I think some of yeah. it looked really pretty. Um, the, the opening five minutes was really pretty. It was kind of felt like... Yeah. Um, it kind of felt almost sort of docu- documentary-ish, the way the way mm. it was it shot uh, the, the environment and the, the forests and the woodland all around there. Uh, the yeah, that was really nice. I was yeah. I think the first five minutes or so, because I obviously without any expectations in terms of what it would be about and stuff, I did obviously go in thinking this is probably going to be pretty shit. I and... love that they used the whole bit with the turtle just to be like JD is a good guy. Remember oh, everybody, yeah. <laughs> like... but also he's a good guy, and yet he was cycling and swinging the turtle around the place in his like, <laughs> hammock. Like that he... turtle could not have been safe in that. He had it wrapped up in a towel and he spent ages <laughs> unraveling it when he got whacking yeah. himself against the bike frame. Like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, no, like we said, it on the whole it was pretty bad, but I I think it was more kind of middling than absolutely horrendous. Do you know what I mean? It it yeah. was I've seen worse, I've seen a hell of a lot better but it was probably a little bit better than I thought it was going to be because of what people have said. So in, in that sense, I guess it kind of, it won. Yeah, I, <laughs> was, I was expecting like worst film of the year type yeah, thing. Yeah. And like as much as we've sat here for best part of 50 minutes and like slated it, like, yeah, it wasn't the worst film I've seen this year. Um, I, that, and that's what you want on the DVD cover, really, isn't yeah. it? Not the worst film. <laughs> Definitely not the worst film you will see this year. <laughs> Jumpcast. Not absolutely shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, yeah, there were elements I did enjoy. 
I can only think of like the music off off the top of my head. <laughs> I think I think just like like we said, Amy Adams is just decent to watch anyway. Yeah, like that's um, the thing. Like even though Amy Adams wasn't great, I was still having a great time watching. Do it. you know what it is? It, like, with, it with that great. kind of thing, it's it's like it's like watching a bad Star Wars film or something where I'm still going to kind of want to watch it because, because it's, it's in that Wars. world and yeah. it's or it's Amy Adams and whatever she does is going to be pretty like a decent performance but it was just kind of subpar for what what she is capable of that's yeah, all because she's incredible yeah um yeah I've, I do think it's a film people should probably watch oh, but I would no, I, I could have lived without it. If it wasn't for this uh, podcast, I probably wouldn't have watched it, to be honest. Yeah, I think I'm the same. Uh, <laughs> I see. I, I would have watched it because of the Amy Adams factor, but... Mm, yeah, yeah, true. I probably would have watched it at some point. I wouldn't rush to watch oh, it. No, I probably, yeah, that. I wouldn't have rushed, watched it, like, this week. No. If you've got other things to do, this can wait. That's for sure. <laughs> it could be a film that you kind of... If you've got a big clean dot job to do in the house, put oh, it yeah. on in the background. That kind of thing. Um... But I think for me, I thought the film was quite bad, Terminator. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was one of those films that you couldn't, you couldn't, you can't really take it out of the social political context that it's in. Yeah. Um, which results in a film that, like you've all said, it doesn't really commit to making any mm. grand statement of intent about what it, yeah. wants, what it wants you to think about. So it results in a film that is neither here nor there with some quite average performances if not quite bad. Mm. Um, and I think the music is good. Um, but generally, I'm never going to think about this film longer than I think no, the podcast. No. Um, you see, I've really struggled. Though. I've been thinking about it a lot in the last, a lot in the last two days because I've been really struggling. You've been having stuff. nightmares. Yeah. No, I was <laughs> in bed last night knowing we were recording this today thinking, like, how on earth am I going to approach this? Because as I said at the beginning, like the three of us aren't very savvy to the social political situation that sort of is the backdrop to this film other than just reading sort of for half an hour and half an hour an hour on the internet which for a lot of people these days that seems to be all you need to know to be an expert <laughs> to be an expert on something but like we're not experts on, on the Appalachian culture and communities and the poverty that's going on in America but so I was like how can I review this film so like I think the film itself is pretty harmless but then mm. that is but what it doesn't do. But, yeah, is... but, it, but that because it is harmless makes it harmful. Like, <laughs> like this, <laughs> this should this shouldn't be a harmless film. It shouldn't just be a film no. that you just whimsically throw away and think, oh, that was whatever. Like chuck it on mm. the pile. Like it should have with the stuff that it's about. It should have been a film that makes you sit up and think about it, and it failed completely. And therefore, it is mm. more harmful than it is harmless. Yeah, I think that's probably yeah. how, I, how I feel about I, it. I agree completely. Um, it's... Yeah, it should have had a massive impact, really, shouldn't it? And it's yeah. it has had a massive impact, but for a very, very negative reason. It Not should have been more, more provocative in the sense that it it <laughs> I felt generates really, really, discussion. I felt really bad for Ron Howard this week because he's been on Twitter like retweeting a load of uh, positive reactions to it, and like he's been responding to a some, lot, or uh, so a decent amount. He's been responding <laughs> three of them. Yeah. He's been <laughs> he's been responding to some not so positive ones as well, and he's like, like I really appreciate the feedback, and like like thanks for watching it, and, and like he's actually been sort of interacting with the people who have been coming at him saying like this is a pile of wank but mm. that's quite good it's I felt quite sorry for him because he must have got an absolute barrage I think yeah. and again not to be prejudgmental into going and watching a film like you shouldn't have any opinions on it before you go and see it but when I saw certain um, 
certain people on Twitter, shall we say, verified accounts that are known for being more right-wing, should we say, right-wing commenters and commentators on Twitter, like Yevhen Shapiro's and uh, people like that. And when they're tweeting about it, saying, like, this is a really, really good film, like, great st- I'm I'm more inclined from the, from the get-go to be like, I don't want to watch this. <laughs> we might have different opinions on this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, Jake, we'll go to you first. Out of five, how many stars are you giving Hillbilly LNG? Uh, I think on Letterbox I did give it like a two point five. Just, but I don't know between a two and a two point five. It's like I said, it it was it was all right. I wasn't bored, but I wasn't excited or that interested. It was it was just very 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 middle of the road for me. Um, mm-hmm. It it was I don't even know really what salvaged it to get it up to that kind of level. I think if it wasn't for Amy Adams, it probably would be a like a one point five. Mm. So I'll go for a two. Go for a two. Two stars. Yeah. Reese, um, I'm going for a two as well because I think that even though, like you said earlier, I wasn't entirely bored by it. Mm. You know, I could I could watch it, and it wasn't it didn't overstay its welcome in any way. It just I think it fundamentally failed to do what it wanted to do. Mm. Yeah. So I think in on that level, it really really affected how well I could perceive it. Um and like I think Amy Adams and Glenn Close are both very good it like, actors themselves, but in this film they are not doing their best work. Um mm. and I think the writing lets it down and I just think it's a bit too basic lifetime Sunday afternoon on Christmas twenty four type watch yeah. than anything worth anything resembling. Um recognition or acclaim of any kind so yeah i i'm gonna give it a two stars it's gonna be a full out two stars for me as well it's <clears throat> like i was saying earlier it's that battle with it being completely harmless and just whatever mm. like i've watched it it wasn't great i didn't enjoy that much but it was fine i didn't like actively dislike it so that's fine mm. i just thought it was very meh which as i said was the overriding thing i had but but i think because of that harmlessness, like I said, that in turn makes it a bit more harmful. So I'd probably give it two stars as well, dropping down from like a two and a half, just like Jake said. Mm. Um, yeah, so that has been our <clears throat> our review of Hillbilly Energy. Make sure you go and watch it immediately after this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, we are going to end this podcast on a lighter note uh, with a small discussion between the three of us about our favourite Amy Adams films, because... It's 2020 and we all need some positivity. <laughs> um, Reese, we'll come to you first. Um, Either a favourite film or just a favourite performance or what are you thankful at four days of, <laughs> as the, a, a week after thank, uh, Thanksgiving and in the US? Why are you think, thankful for Amy Adams? Um, so I've got a few options and I wasn't sure whether to go for the more obvious choice, or one that maybe people have forgotten how good it is. Justice League. Um, <laughs> no, but I was going to go for Hillary <laughs> Elegy. Um, but no, I think I'm actually going to go for the left field, of cho- not really left field, but I'm going to go for Enchanted. Oh, is... I've never seen Enchanted. That's the one, I haven't seen one it of, either. One of the big Amy Adams films I've not seen. I you always it. see it on Twitter, don't you, with people saying it's like, that's the yeah, one that's I've seen It's legitimately brilliant. Film. It's you know, it's a it's a Disney film that is kind of a mini parody of a Disney film, um, mm. and it kind of the way that it goes from two D into the real world, and 
Amy Adams plays this amazing character um, who's like funny and sweet and charming and she kind of gets into classic kind of cartoon hijinks but it's in the real world and it's got a really good soundtrack and it's just she's just a complete delight in that film and I think that's probably the film that kind of really set her off onto this path of kind of A-list stardom that she has mm-hmm. now because mm-hmm. she showed so much range and her voice is amazing in it and you know, even you know you've got um oh my god what's his name what's the prince called um james Marsden. james Marsden, thank you mm-hmm. yeah he's very funny in it and it's got a, a quite a nice little story at the end and you know that it is a bit romantic and there's a love story involved in it obviously because it's disney um but the way they kind of all they blend in the real world with the her cartoon world towards the end of it is really quite effective and i just think it's really fun and i watched it not too long ago when we could kind of have friends around I watched it with my friend, and we were just like, I've not seen this for years, and it's so much fun. And it's, you know, I it, even today I sing, there's a point in the song where she sings, um, How Does She Know? And I have that kind of, her singing that line in my head all the time. Rent free. It's, yeah, it's so good. <laughs> She's so good in it, and it's so much fun. So if you've not seen it, I think it's on Disney Plus. Get it on. It's wicked. It probably is Sold. on Plus, yeah. Uh, we'll do, we'll, we'll do two... We'll do a circle each, so we'll, Reese, we'll come back to you for a second one. Sure. If me and Jake don't take it. Uh, Jake, what I'm are sure you, th- you will. <laughs> what are you probably thankful probably, for Amy yeah. Adams for? Uh, a lot. Um, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> but I guess, yeah, I'll, I'll take a leaf out of Reese's book. Um, well, I, I say it's probably not going to be a one that you guys might pick. You probably will. Um Apart from the obvious one that I think we all probably have in our head. We're all thinking her, it, yeah. yeah, her next best performance for me is The Master. Ooh. Um, by Again. Paul Thomas Anderson. Uh, my, my Paul Thomas Anderson watching uh, it goes as far as... Does it as, go well, does it? It goes it goes as far as There Will Be Blood, that is it. <clears throat> and never anymore, yeah. Not yet, no. <laughs> um, yeah, no, she, the, the Master's a, a brilliant film. I watched it this year for the first time, actually. Um, and just her performance she's not obviously like the main character but she's she's pretty prominent and i think it's quite a different performance to what amy adams usually gives um it's a lot kind of she's a much kind of harder character mm-hmm. uh, when usually we kind of most of the time she's a character that we would root for and and quite like um in the master it's a little bit more kind of conflicting to you know, to watch her character and kind of root for her as such. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a very, very, very good performance, as always. And probably the one that I think really kind of exemplifies her range as an actress. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I would probably, when I think The Master, I would think Phoenix and Seymour Hoffman before I think Amy Adams, but now you've said it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. She's not She's not like the, the, the crux of the story or anything, no. but just her... She, the moments that she is in, she, I feel like she kind of stole it a little bit there mm. in those moments. So that would be my kind of unorthodox pick for now. Um, she was superb in Sharp Objects. Mm. She was incredible. I've still in not Sharp seen that. That's that's a better Amy Adams addiction story. Yeah, than, that is a much mm. better than Hillbilly if by you, a long, if you long want way. To, if you want to watch Amy Adams as a sort of yeah a off the rails off the rails addict than what sharp objects she's mm. so good in sharp objects she absolutely carries that like it's not that I'm could not... that could be her best 
performance, possibly. Maybe she, she was. Know. She was nominated for a Golden Globe for it. Um, mm. I think she was nominated for an Emmy as well. Uh, she, so, so she, good. She's so good in that. She a bit like Hillbilly Elegy. Like every scene she's in, she's a bit of a hand grenade. Um, getting ready to be set off. Um, oh, she's just a more interesting character in oh, Sharp yeah. Objects and, and got th- more to it. Yeah, I think when you like. when you've got a TV series as well, obviously you've got eight episodes, yeah. eight hour long episodes to play with, and you can you can really delve into that. But yeah, it's much mm. more. Yeah, the hillbilly version of Amy Adams as an addict is much more surface level. Um, mm. but yeah, Sharp Objects is so good, and Amy Adams absolutely carries like not the rest of the acts and the. The actors and the crew and the story is all great and everything, but like everything good about that series runs through Amy Adams, and mm. it's she's so good in Sharp Objects, and just her the very no no spoiler for you, Reese, or spoiler for any of the listeners who haven't mm. seen it, but the face acting she does in the last fifteen seconds mm. of the series is amazing. Like <laughs> the is. look on her face in the last fifteen set, like once you've seen it, Reese, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's but, the kind of it's the kind of <laughs> moment that could be done really badly as well yeah. with the face reaction the, it's the last the last 15 seconds which is so important like the whole series falls Depends down to the, the last 15 <laughs> seconds and she is so really? good in that last 15 seconds oh, wow. um yeah she's amazing i yeah. remember when i was when i was going to watch it and i think you said just really really pay attention at the yeah. last literal last 15 minute. seconds like, yeah it's so crucial yeah uh, and it's yeah yeah she pulls that off really well um yeah so that's my first first time around first go around the circle sharp objects is my why i'm thankful for amy Adams. glad we mentioned that one yeah <laughs> reese go back to you um well it's the obvious choice i guess I was, i'm torn between another two because i think i would like to shout out um Nocturnal Animals. Nocturnal Animals is going to be my second second go. I won't talk about it that much because I think, for me personally, I think with that film, I think that's more a Michael Shannon film Mm. than it is an Amy Adams film because I think Michael Shannon is incredible in that film. Yeah, I won't mention that one. Um, but I'm probably going to say Arrival. Yeah, I think that Mm -hmm. is one of one of a the best sci-fi films of the last twenty plus years. It's also just one of the best films of the last twenty plus years. Yeah. I she, think it's, it's nerve. Just... didn't even get an Oscar nominated. I know. It. I just looked at that. I was like, "That's the one." She must have done. She must have. That's been the one she should have got. Like she... I've seen all the films, uh, all the actors' performances in that category. I've seen La La Land. I've seen Elle. I've seen Loving. I've seen Jackie. I've seen I've seen Forrest Wells Jenkins, and it's like, I would no one. I would put Amy Adams ahead of all five of those. Mm. Hundred yeah, percent. Like, you know, like I, Amy Emma Stone in La La Land is very good. I love that, mm. but Amy Adams is just a different league in that yeah. in Arrival. I think that is kind of the Oscars kind of blind spot regarding sci-fi. Yeah, you know, it, they kind of they gave a, a you know a lot of praise to District Nine about ten years ago, and that felt like right. We've done our bit for a bit. Let's not do it again for a while. Mm. And it's just you know Arrival was just that story, mm. the way it's told, the way it's done. The shots, the cinematography, the soundtrack, the script—everything. It is literally everything. Arrival is incredible, and I think it's such a shame that she didn't get recognition for it. Because even you know, without Amy Adams, you know that story is phenomenally well told. And I think probably as you know, I teach languages as a linguistics person, Mm. it spoke to me on a different level because Mm. I just love the way kind of languages can create these kind of stories and just bring people together and. And also, like without spoiling it, the twist of mm-hmm. 
I don't. I can't even say. How I want to watch twist, it again. But, the twist. Oh yeah. my god! Just the, when the reveal in the kind of towards the end of the, the film is just. Oh man! And that. Encourages I remember watching that at the at the cinema mm. with a couple of friends, and just being stunned I, at the end. You, I, I love that sensation when you watch a film in a cinema. Yes. You just don't even move for a bit. I did and not, you just kind of absorb it. Yeah, that moment. It didn't even occur to me that it could have been mm. done that way. And then I realised it. And I was I watched it on my own, I think, in a in a Loughborough Odeon. Mm. It's kind of mm. very run down, but I watched it and I didn't leave the cinema until the credits finished rolling. Yeah. So I yeah. was just still contemplating what I'd just seen. And as soon as I saw it, I knew I'd seen the best film of that year. And I wasn't wrong. So mm. yeah, that arrival is if you've not seen it yet, you need to get it because it is probably as close to a masterpiece as I've seen for quite a long time. I've only seen it once. I'm sorry, at the cinema. Same. And I was the same as you, yeah. Jay. I was absolutely bowled over by it. I kind of daren't watch yeah, it again. To the point where I feel a bit intimidated <laughs> about <laughs> going to watch it again. Because I know it is, I know it's a great film because I saw it for the first time and I absolutely adored it. And I know that everybody who's seen it since has loved it again and again and again. But I'm mm. scared that if I go and watch it again, I won't like it as much as I did. As much, so yeah, I'm like, so I'm like, I'm just going to preserve my feelings for revival. Oh, so. I think you're fine. I watched it after <laughs> lockdown. I watched it on Blu-ray, and for the first time, I probably seen the cinema. I watched it on Blu-ray, and I was just blown away again by it. You know, even knowing the ending, it's nice seeing all the different clues yeah. on the way, and you know, even like I always think of in Arrival. I always think of that one shot when it's like the helicopter shot that flies towards the yeah. big black ship for the first time and mm-hmm. you've got all like the the mist rolling along the, the hills mm-hmm. you're like this film is stunning that was a, that was one of the unreal. big big shots they led with in the mm-hmm. sort of the promotional trailers and stuff mm-hmm. that that shot it's so pretty it's so good it. looking um i could wax lyrical about denny view mm-hmm. for hours but we're here to discuss amy adams and the fact yeah the fact she wasn't awesome. even even the fact she wasn't even nominated for that it's a disgrace absolute disgrace um jake back to you uh the next one i'll pick is it's a very good performance from amy adams and it's also just i'm probably more picking it just for the film itself it's a film i love is it reese's favorite film vice Oh. <laughs> and I'll see you later, guys. I'm gonna leave. <laughs> it's not. It's not. Thankfully, I haven't even seen that advice. To be fair, I'm probably no. not gonna. Just don't no, do that to yourself. Just don't no. need to. Um, no, it's um, her. Yeah. Yeah. She's so. Jones, she's, is... she's so just nice in her, isn't she? She's yeah. Just... Yeah. Another one opposite <laughs> Joaquin as well, of course. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. I mean, obviously, she she is great in that film, um, and and yeah, very nice. But it's just the film as a whole. It's just a, a nearly perfect film in my eyes. I love See, it that's so the film, much. Like you said about Arrival, that's the one I've, I've only seen once because I thought it was so yeah. good. I don't really want to kind of revisit, but I think I should soon. Yeah. yeah. No, really I'm, I'm very keen to rewatch that one. It's it's a really, really, just, again, again, very similar to Arrival, just all around pretty much perfect in my eyes. Everything is done absolutely meticulously. Um perfect Joaquin Phoenix wasn't nominated for that either was he not was he not no we should start a new podcast called why Oscars why (laughs) what are you doing yeah no Um, not nominated for that either you are joking ridiculous so ridiculous um but yeah no hers hers brilliant it's just a, a kind of a really interesting kind of look at 
romance in the in the modern day. Well, in the future, I guess as well. It's probably even more relevant today compared to yeah, what yeah, yeah. I think it probably is. That's it. It will just keep getting more and more relevant, won't it? Mm. I guess when eventually we all just date AI. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, just just brilliant, really interesting, quite well. Yeah, times. we're not too far. I think SEEE are now doing their uh, what's that thing they're pushing with Rita or augmented uh, reality realities stuff. with celebrities. So yeah. we're probably only a couple of years removed from from all dating AI. So yeah, all right, I, will, I will say, in fairness, that year in the Oscars was a very good year. The her, yeah, you the had her year. Yeah, you had Matthew McConaughey for Dallas Buyers Club. Mm. Christian Bale, American Hustle. I, I guess that's the one you could replace. Bruce Dern, yeah. Nebraska's Wicked. Leo DiCaprio, Wolf of Wall Street's Wicked. And Stuart Ledger in 12 Years a Slave. For me, okay. that probably should yeah. have won. That's a strong year. Yeah. That's a good Lose year. Bale. But yeah. yeah, fair enough. <laughs> um, American Hustle, going finally back, circling back to me for the last one. American Hustle is a film I did actually quite like. And I think Amy Adams is very mm. good in that as well. Uh, it was close it was to be okay. mentioned by me, that one, to be fair. It would have probably been next on my list if if you mentioned Nocturnal Animals, then that would be my next one probably. Also, it was a what again? It was I only see I only saw it once when it was released, so I don't remember the intricacies of it, but I remember mm. really liking it when I watched it. Um, mm. Cool, nominated for ten Oscars and didn't win a single one. Yeah. American Hustle. That must be some kind of record. I think uh, I was a bit. I'm a I'm not a big fan of David O. Russell. No, no. generally, like, I, yeah. I didn't like Joy very much either, which was his follow-up to, well, American Hustle with um, Jennifer Lawrence. Um, mm. And I think, like, Silver Lines Playbook as well is a bit overrated as a film. Did you do The Fighter um, as well? He did, yeah. That's good. I like The, the Fighter. Fighter's good. And Amy Adams is in that as well, isn't she? Yeah. She's good in that um, as well. But I think American Hustle, I think Amy Adams is obviously, she's great in it. But I think that film was very overblown and overhyped, in my, mm. in my opinion. Um, I think I will go for Vice. No, I'll go for Nocturnal. I'll go for I'll go for Nocturnal Animals. Again, yeah. it's just, again, it's not particularly Amy Adams in this. She does a really good sort of anchoring role um, as Susan Morrow. Um, again, similar to what you were saying earlier, Jake. It's a very different Amy Adams. She's not mm. very charismatic. She's not charismatic, and she's not full of life and energy. She's very and cold. She's very cold. In very cold. Animals. Very different to what we're seeing um, her normally do, which I really enjoyed uh, Enjoyed her watching her do that. But the film is, is itself is incredible. Mm. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, Michael Shannon, like we've said, both of those are incredible. Aaron Taylor-Johnson. Aaron Taylor-Johnson oh. is really good in that film Jesus. as well. Really good. Um, it, that's definitely something I want to, I'd want to re-watch uh, Nocturnal Animals. So I think Tom Ford, yeah. Tom Ford did a really good job behind the camera as well. I think it's a really well shot film. Mm. Um, mm. I still haven't gotten over like the first two minutes of it. That was a I, that case sort, of, <laughs> sort of came out of nowhere. I was like, "What's happening?" Yeah. Um, I remember before I saw it, my mum was like, "Enjoy the first two minutes." I was like, "What do you mean?" <laughs> I saw it. I was like, "Oh, <laughs> where has this come from?" I don't understand what I'm watching, but no, I like. But no, I thought Tom Tom Ford's direction was very stylish. Um, mm. Naturally, naturally, would be, yeah. yeah. Um, but no, I really really like Nocturne on Oz. It's just got all those sort of dark, sort of noir tropes that it just I just absolutely love and. Yeah. Um, particularly Michael Shannon is just on absolute fire in that film. Mm. Michael Shannon is ridiculously talented. He's an actor. So so good. He's. I know we're talking about Amy Adams here, but Michael Shannon is a is, a, <laughs> is an actor that deserves so much more credit than he gets. He's so yeah. good. 
Um, he's a funny guy as well. He's a funny guy. He I, like, I like his choice of, choice of shirts as well. Very good. Yeah. It's just mad as well that in that film, he plays a character within the film mm. in that film, and he was nominated for it. Like That's how good a performance that is. Mm. I think the story within the story was the best part. Yeah, that, I agree. I agree. I'd have just watched that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, not so much Amy Adams' performance as a, as a sort of singularity, sort of sang a single sort of element of that, but her performance mm. as part of the wider picture in Nocturnal yeah. Animals is, I love Nocturnal Animals, was really good. It was one of my mm. favourite films from 2016, 17? Yes. Something like that. 2016, yeah, same year as Arrival. Had a good oh, year. Good year. Um, so that's that. She's actually not got as long a filmography as I thought she probably did have. Actually, looking at it down here, in terms she of is, big ones, in terms no. of, yeah, she's kind of one of those sort of household names that even like if I think of somebody like my parents who aren't film people, they would know the name Amy Adams. Yeah, mm. um, like, I think she's a quality, not quantity kind of person. Yeah, she is. Yeah, and she just Until has recently, and she just has, <laughs> she just has that <laughs> enigmatic quality where she just draws your attention whenever she's on screen and i think that's a really sort of thing that a lot of actors don't have like they have to work for mm. that when they're on screen but amy adams just oozes it naturally um and she's really good um do you know what i think we'd i think we'd be remiss to not mention lois lane as well actually yeah we've got to yeah like she's very good she is very good as lois lane <laughs> yes she is we were justice league I'm excited to see actually <laughs> speak the, uh, the 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 Snyder cut. I <laughs> say it quietly. Um, yeah. I assume you that she... it three times Sam Comrie. Don't you dare! <laughs> Don't you dare hashtag that. Otherwise, we'll have people all over us. Um, I'm excited to see if she's going to get a lot more to do in an extended mm. cut. Um, I think mm. the way she was utilised in the original cut was pretty gross. Uh, yeah. Particularly the scenes that she had with um, Superman's mother. Mouse about the whole, as well. the whole, hungry, oh, what was it about being horny or hungry thirsty or thirsty? Yeah, like, it was all just like this is so the, bad. Without going too much into it, the problem with that line is that <laughs> Superman's mom is not an idiot. She knows that the phrase is hungry for success. Yeah, like she's been around on the planet long enough <laughs> to know that that is the phrase. Thirsty. So that doesn't make any sense. I think you know the thing you mean that thirsty means something else. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent writing. Stupid. So stupid. <laughs> but no, I think I think I think she will have a big part. You know, she was in like the Batman vs. Superman and stuff. She is I think, yeah. I think they I think, even say the word, she is the key, don't they? Lois yeah, is the key. And I think so. um again we're without descending into a, a Snyder fest, because a lot of people will turn off immediately. Um <laughs> I think the what plans they had for Amy Adams in the DCEU were huge. Like she was going mm. to be like you said in Batman vs Superman when Flash comes back to speak to Bruce mm. Wayne. I think the plan She's the catalyst she, for everything. She the plan was for was it Steppenwolf or dark side one of them to boom tube down into the back gate and kill lois lane like that was yeah. what the plan was going to be so yeah. her part in the dceu was going to be huge and i'd love yeah. to oh, in an alternate universe if that sort of stuff panned out then i'd have loved to have seen the stuff she was able to do with that um, it could be in the new one it could yeah. it could that, it. that could end up being because i think they are combining justice league and justice league dark kind of together yeah, because it was planned to be two films, however many years ago. I think he is kind of trying to address both of those things in this one cut. So that might be something that happens in 
in the Snyder Cut. We don't know. We're speculating. Obviously. If it doesn't, if it doesn't happen, we protest and get another cut. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Give us the, the 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 Amy Adams cut. That's what we want. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So in an alternate universe, I think as good as she is with Lewis, Lois Lane at the minute, she could have done some really great stuff with Lois Lane, and hopefully she'll get to um, show that off in the Snyder Cut. Um, another film she's got lined up is The Woman in the Window, which has mm. been through some absolute turmoil in terms of production. Well, it meant to come I out think. like five years ago. <laughs> yeah. Oh, is that think... the, when she like sees a crime? Yeah, it's kind, it's like rear window it's kind of a bit like a Rear woman, Window. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've read the right. book and the book's fine. Um... I read it on holiday. Uh, it it got, does sound like a holiday read. It got some. It got some really, really like it was a, like the UK bestseller for a few weeks in a row. Mm. And, uh, but it was fine. But again, it's going to be. It's kind of like she's going, yeah, going mad on a, in isolation in her own home. So I think if anybody's going to do That'd that, Amy Adams will be really good at that. But yeah. it has gone through production hell. So we'll see what <laughs> the final product looks like in the end. Um, but yeah. That has been our discussion on um, reviewing Hillbilly Elegy, and then, and then talking about all the good things Amy Adams has done <laughs> up to <laughs> up to now. Um, next week, uh, obviously on Friday, uh, a- uh, Amy Adams, Amy Adams is not going to be on the podcast. <laughs> so, Sarah is going to be continuing her Disney series. Um, the most recent episode was Beauty and the Beast, so chronologically, probably I don't know what's next. Is Lion King coming? Lion King's coming up soon. Look forward to Lion King's soon. Yeah. <laughs> 1992. We're 1991, aren't yeah. we there? Is it 91, 92? I can't remember. But whatever's Only next. Aladdin. Aladdin. Maybe Aladdin. As well. Yeah. What, we'll have to just whatever, keep listening yeah. and find there out. There we go. Let's keep you on tenterhooks. Listen on Friday and see what's next, or just look on Google. Um, and then on the following Monday, a week from now, as this is going out, Reese, will, you'll be back to host an episode. Yeah. Uh, you're going to be reviewing David Fincher's Mank. And um, I am very excited already. I can't wait. I've been kept very quiet because I'm not very excited for the film. But we're, that's that's another... I'd, I don't know, there's something about it that's not jumping out to me. But we'll see in a week's time once I've watched it. Uh, but yeah, you'll be back to host an episode. Um, not sure who with yet, but we shall be hosting an episode soon. And we look forward to that. Yeah. So that'll be a week from today, next Monday. Um, but for now... All that leaves me to do is to say thank you to Jake. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure. As always, anytime. Uh, thank you to Reese. Thank you very much. I've very much enjoyed this. I think it was a more enjoyable chat than the actual film deserved. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we do our best. Um, and yeah, and that, that's me as well. Uh, so thank you for listening. Uh, as I said, keep your eyes peeled for Jumpcast episodes appearing in your feed over the next few days. And we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Thank you.